Hey, I'm Ferdinand, and thanks for checking out the message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text RiverConnect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. We had to wake you up there after all those videos. Make sure that you're ready. I had to make sure you're ready for me this morning. Well, I'm excited to be in the Word this morning. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. If you haven't been uh, around, uh, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and specifically, we've been looking in the book of Philippians at some of the mandates or the core of who we should be as believers, right? As we follow the Lord, right? As we've received the gospel and the salvation that the gospel brings, we are kind of given some, hey, here's what to do now, right? Here is the direction that we want you to go. And throughout Scripture, right, our elders have kind of looked to passages, and over and over and over again, these three kind of mandates kept coming up, and that is to reach the world according to the gospel, gather with the saints around the gospel, and grow in the word according to the gospel. And that's truly our mission. And right, I, I hope if you've been around the river that you've seen those words before, you've heard them before, right? When you walked in, you saw it right behind guest services and on the front of guest services. That is who we are. And as believers, that is what we're called to do. And so every year we walk through a series focused on these tenants, twice a year actually, because we believe that a lot of times we're forgetful and we need to be reminded to do these things and to to make these things a priority in our lives and that as we serve and as we show up on Sunday mornings and as we go to our workplaces and we go to family reunions and we spend time with whoever it is that's in our lives, that we're doing these things regularly. Reaching the world, gathering with the saints, and growing in the Word. And this morning, we're diving into this idea of grow, right? If you've been here the last two weeks, first week I got a chance to dive into what it means to reach and really challenge you all to reach people that are in your world with the gospel. And last week, Pastor John Carter was here. We did our pastor swap, and and he had a chance to really dive into this idea of gathering and what it means to gather together as the as the body of believers. That the church is not a building, but the church is people, and we are the church when we gather with each other. And and this week, I have the opportunity to talk about what it means to grow and the ways in which Paul encourages us, and he gives us truly a prescription on how to grow in our faith, in our walk with Christ. And, and in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, we see like this very beautiful picture of this walk together with Christ. And as I was preparing for this message, and then as I went back and listened to Pastor John Carter's message, I realized that he started his message off last week with this same verse. And there's part of me that got panicked. And I was like, whoa, are we going to be preaching the same verses two weeks in a row? And I was like, breathe, you know. And then as I listened, 
he really did a fantastic job of setting up where he wanted to go with his message around the truth that we see is directed here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. And let me, let me uh, read that for you and then explain a little bit of what I mean. It says this, Not that I have already attained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that, uh, that have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who think they are mature in this way, uh, and if you know anything otherwise, God will reveal uh, that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Right? He did this, this, he gave us this beautiful picture last week of what that prize is. Right? And that, that prize is honoring the Lord and serving Him. Right? And part of doing that is being together, is gathering together. And, and truthfully, that prize is something that we all must strive for. And what Pastor John Carter did is he related that back to why we gather, right? We gather so that we can be encouraged to strive after this prize. And he talked about what that is, and that was really the aim. And so here this morning, as we jump back to this passage, the truth is, yes, we strive on towards this prize, and that comes from gathering together. But as we gather together, as we meet together, as we spend time individually and corporately together, we have to do some things to keep us going, to keep us moving towards the prize. The Community is the encouragement and sometimes the means by which we do that. But there are very specific things that we have to make part of who we are as believers and that we have to continue to do in order to faithfully run after this prize. And the means by which we do that is growing according to the word. And so this morning as I looked at this passage, or over the last week as I've looked at this passage, there are three kind of distinct things that I see as this mission or prescription to grow in God's Word. And so the first one, turn with me, or look to, to verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. So the first thing, growth happens when we seek to overcome our past. One of the greatest things about humanity, and one of the worst things about humanity, is our memory. Right? Our memory. We have this fantastic memory, this fantastic brain that the Lord has given us to think and to remember things. And a lot of times we use that for good things, right? We remember it, we use it to remember the things of the past to keep us from falling into mistakes in the future. Sometimes. Some people do that, right? Some people aren't too great at that. But 
Or other things like we cherish our history and we remember the sacrifices of, of people in our past that have given us the opportunities that maybe you and I have today. Right? Whether that's family members, whether that's people in our nation, whether it's people in our culture, right? The people who have come before us that have been forerunners or pioneers for us today. And there's many other different ways that our, our memory serves us for good. But a lot of times our memory also kind of weighs us down. Right? Our memory can sometimes bind us or it can sometimes cripple us. Sometimes it keeps us in a cycle of shame, right? We love to remember every mistake that we've ever made in our lives, right? Maybe you've laid in bed and you've thought about, oh, why did I say that in my third grade, third grade class in front of all my peers and they all laughed at me, right? You, you lay awake thinking about that and it was so many years ago and yet it still weighs you down. Or, man, maybe there's just some hurt that you're just holding on to from a loved one or from someone who you let into your life that just wounded you and you can't seem to forget it and you can't seem to let it go and you can't seem to keep it from defining you. Or there's an anger or a bitterness at something someone said or something someone did to you and you just hold on to it and every time you see that person or you hear that person's name, your, your heart is just welled up again with more anger and more frustration the same as the day that they did that or said that thing. Or we let one instance or one circumstance define us because of how deep it wounded us or affected us, and that becomes our identity. A failure, a loser, an outcast. And truthfully, the reason why Paul reminds the Philippian church as he writes to them of, of this truth is because in order to grow, we have to leave things behind. We have to leave things that happened in the past in the past. Now, that's not to all say we need to become amnesia patients, right? That's not to say we need to learn, relearn how to ride a bike or we need to relearn how to write and read and all these basic things, relearn how to breathe, breathe and relearn how to eat and relearn how to all, do all these things. No, but what he's saying is as you grow in your faith, there are things, there is uh, the person who you were, there is struggles, there is hardship, there is bitterness, there is hurt that you are going to figure, have to figure out how to leave behind in order to press on. And the truth is, he, he says the reason why this is, is because only one action of the past should define you. The day you received salvation. And I love, I love kind of how you see this, right? Look back to verse 12, how he starts off this passage. Not that I have already obtained this, this perfection. Not that I've already left all my sin behind. Not that I've already forgotten all the things of the past. Or that I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right? There, there's this first and foremost 
picture of the gospel and what it means for us as we grow. He says, right, you were this person, right? You were a mess. You were sinful. You had struggle out the wazoo. You had every single problem there could be. And what he means by that is not that you were like the ultimate worst person as the world defines it, but you were an enemy of God, right? Your very core, the person who you were was contrary to who you were made to be, right? As people made in the image of God, we were created to have a relationship with him. The very core of who we should be is people who are obedient and serving the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't doing that, right? I was doing pretty much anything but that. And thus, I was a mess. And he says, but here's the thing. When you have salvation, right? When you acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ, right? That he came and he lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross, taking the penalty for that sin, for that disobedience in our lives, and raising to life, showing that he had conquered that, he had overcome, that he had paid the price in full, and that there was still power left over, that he still had it, that he was in control, right? He offers this salvation, this forgiveness to you. He says, if you believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and that he is raised from the dead and you confess that with your mouth, you will have salvation. And he says, what happens? You are born again, right? As he talks to Nicodemus, this Pharisee who comes and asks him, he says, what, what does that even mean? He goes, well, when, when you have this salvation, you're born again, you are anew. And it's not this fleshly be born again. It's a spirit. You were completely dead. Your spirit was completely dead. You were living a a death-filled life. Couldn't even really be called life. And as you have salvation, you have been given forgiveness. You die to your death. And you are born again into a new life. And so the idea here was of what Paul is saying is, This death, you have to leave there. You have to leave it there where it is. And you have to grow towards this new life. You have to forget the way you used to walk. Not walking from place to place, but actually living in your life, a spiritual walk. He says, you had no spiritual walk. And now you're born again. And you have a new way to walk and you have to learn how to crawl and you have to learn how to toddle and you have to learn how to walk. And then you have to learn how to run. He says, you thought you knew how to walk. You tried maybe false spirituality or you tried, you know, living a good quote unquote life or being a good person. But everything you thought you knew is actually contradicting this new truth that the Lord has given you. He says, you need to leave those behind. He goes, and the ways in which you lived, the practices you thought were okay, the way in which you treated other people and you thought was okay, the, the broken relationships that you have in your life because of who you used to be or, or that made you who you used to be, you have to forget those things and build new relationships according to the truth of God. And so when at first you look and you say, oh, 
wow, I get to leave those things behind? Man, I'm so thankful I get to leave those things behind. And then I start elaborating, and you're like, I don't want to leave those things behind. Yeah, that's the problem. We don't like to leave those things behind. We like to hold on to these things. We, we, we want to have Jesus, but we want as little change to happen as possible. And so we go through this process of trying to follow Christ, and like for the first couple weeks or the first couple months that you follow Jesus, you're like, yes, everything's going to change. And then you start realizing what that means, and you're like, everything except that. Everything except that whole forgiveness part. Everything except for that whole like talking about Jesus to people close to me. Everything except for like having to prioritize following Jesus and, and reading the word and diving in over the other things in my life. Everything except those things. And we go back to trying to make the transition between who we were and who we are in our salvation as small a transition as possible. And Paul says that is completely contrary to what is actually the case. He goes, If you want to follow Jesus, if you truly want to grow, the very first way is let the dead be dead and live life alive. As you grow, as you change, in order to do these things, you have to put away the old stuff. Stop holding on to all the things of the past and press on. Now, Hear this. I know that's not easy. I know that there is some hurt that runs deep. And I'm not trying to explain away your hurt. I'm not trying to say that there isn't real hurt there. Or that things weren't done to you that weren't your fault or that caused some real hurt. But what I can say is, if you're going to grow in Christ, you have to figure out how to let that death die. And so maybe that for, that, for you, that means counseling. There's nothing wrong with counseling. I think more people should go to counseling, honestly. Maybe for you, that means some intense time in prayer. Maybe that means some hard conversations you need to have with a spouse or the parent. It can mean a lot of things. None of those things are easy. A lot of those things aren't fun. But in order to grow, we have to seek to overcome our past, the death. But he continues, right? He continues in the later part of verse 13 and 14. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we see here, right? Growth happens when looking forward towards our spiritual goal, right? So as we turn our our minds away from our spiritual death, we have to turn our minds to something else. A lot of times people think that their prescription when it comes to spiritual, their spiritual lives is like, okay, my walk with Jesus is just a bunch of don'ts. Right? It's just a bunch of no's. I have to say no to this. I have to say no to this. I have to say no to this. But when you say no to something, you have to say yes to something else. Right? And I'll give you a very clear picture of this. Right? 
specifically when it comes from recovery, right? As I've been talking about recovery a lot this morning, right? There's a lot of times where people will come in to our recovery program and they'll be like, yes, I have stopped drinking. But they're like, I started doing this, right? Or they're just miserable, 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 and they just moved from one addiction to another addiction. It's because, yeah, they did a great job of saying no to something, but they didn't actually turn and say yes to something else. Or they weren't focused on what they should be saying yes to in their lives, and so they just turned to another horrible practice. The same thing is true of our walks with Christ. Yes, there are some things that the Bible calls us to say no to. But a lot of times we turn and say no to those things and then we just shift to another sin or we shift to another thing that's not our walk with christ we shift to self-help we shift to there's a multitude of different things and so the goal that paul says here is turn away forget the past forget the death let the death die and then turn and press on towards this prize this spiritual goal that you should have he says take everything that you were and don't just shift it to something else down over here turn it towards christ and relearn who you are in christ jesus and we see a very similar encouragement in first corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 and then we're going to go through 27 but we're going to we're just going to be in 24 right now so keep your finger there it says this do you not know that in a race all the runners run all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it He says set your mind on this prize and run running hard running fast focused on the goal and Pastor John, he did a fantastic job of highlighting what Paul means in both these two things, but I want to continue kind of in this theme of, of Corinthians. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. And we see Paul, and this is one of the reasons I love the whole of the New Testament, right? It's because as Paul writes to different churches and as we read all the different letters that he's written, we get even further explanation of what he's talking about. So 2 Corinthians, he actually expounds upon this idea of the prize. He expounds upon this idea of the, the goal, of what it should be. It says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. So whether we are at home or away, and so what he's talking about is whether we're in heaven or whether we're here on earth, right, at home with Christ Jesus. You may be reading this and think home means earth. No, you, this should be uh, a wake-up call. Your home is in heaven. And he says, or whether you're away, which means you're here on earth. So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others that what we know is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. So he says this, 
All right, when you're in heaven, it's going to be easy for your aim to be to please the Lord, right? Because you're going to see him. He's going to be right in front of it, right in front of you. One of our fatal flaws as humanity is we give in to the need of what's right in front of us. So he says, this, he says, this will be easy. But whether you're at home with Christ Jesus or you're away here on earth, we must make it our aim to please him. Your aim is not naturally to please the Lord. It's naturally to please yourself. That's why before salvation, you got yourself in a whole heap of mess. And you probably had fun doing it. Because your aim was to please you. He says, but as you accept salvation, as you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life, the aim changes from you having a good time to serving and honoring the Lord, pleasing the Lord. And what he says is, you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we should live with the mindset that we will. That should be on our minds. Everything we do, we should run through, all right, is this a good thing? Am I going to be happy that I'm answering to this before Jesus Christ or am I going to be embarrassed? Now, this isn't to say that this is works-based salvation, right? This isn't saying, oh, you, you, your good things have to outweigh your bad things. No, this is like you are standing before your Father, right? You've already been made His child through the work of Jesus Christ and through the forgiveness that you've been given, but you will still answer to the things that you've done. There still will be discipline in that moment, but... It won't look like heaven and hell. It'll just look like embarrassment and shame. But then immediately met with the grace of Jesus Christ. But that is not a license to just do whatever we want. Paul says, actually, we should look in that moment and we should be like, I just want to please the Lord there. I want to live in a way that honors him so that when I see him, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant servant. And so my aim as I do things should be, will this please the Lord or will this grieve him? But we don't like to think about those things. Because that's difficult. That's convicting. We have to remember our goal. And then live in a way that aims to please the Lord. And then you may look and say, Justin, how do I please the Lord? How do I live in a way that please the Lord? Please the Lord. That is a great question that your Bible answers. Right? That is a fantastic question. How do I please the Lord? You have a 66 book uh, or 66 book love letter to you that explains how you can do that. Do you know how? If your mindset is pl- uh, is is placed is set on pleasing the Lord, his word will help you grow in understanding on how to do that. And if we know him, we should desire to know what pleases him. For instance, right? If I want to make my wife's day, right? If I want to make her happy, if I want to show her that she's loved, the best way that I could go about doing that is loving her in a way in which she feels love, right? Right? If I go if I if I went to her and said, "Honey, I want you to feel really loved today. 
So I decided that I'm going to go hang out with my boys all day today, right? And, and you, get, you get the house to yourself. You can just be by yourself all day. Wouldn't that be awesome? You would love that. I, I'm showing you how much I love you. She would look and she'd be like, uh, wrong, <laughs> right? Like, do you know me at all? Right? The very thing that my wife values is quality time with her. Now, for some of you, some of you wives are like, yes, please go, right? I enjoy my alone time, right? And, and, but that comes from knowing the person in which you intend to love, right? I know that my wife loves, loves quality time with me. I know that the, the thing that would make her happiest in the world is us sitting down on the couch and watching her favorite rom-com. That would make her night. That would make her free loved. Why do I know that? Because as I've dated her, and as I've been married to her, in a very like blunt way, that was me studying her. Right? I found out what she loved. I found out what helped her feel cared for and known. And then I lived in a way that was pleasing to her, because happy wife, happy life. No, because I love her and because I, I want to honor her with everything I do. The same goes for the Lord. As you love the Lord, as He truly is your Lord, and you set your goal on aiming to please Him, you naturally should want to grow in your understanding of how to do that. You should naturally want to study His Word. So that you can understand the way in which you can please the Lord. So you can strive after honoring the Lord with the way in which you live. And that's why we have growth communities, right? I know that's a shocker, but we study God's word because we want to do that very thing. And we study God's word together because Sometimes it doesn't always make sense to us individually. Sometimes other people have great insights. Sometimes other people help us see things that we missed or they have a deeper understanding and they help us to come to a deeper understanding of how we please the Lord. That's why we do that. It's not just because we like to get together once a week. I mean, I do love seeing those people. But my true goal and what your true goal is to grow deeper in your understanding of God's word so that you may aim to please him. But I'm not just going to leave you hanging, right? If you really are looking and you say, Justin, I'm going to leave here. I'm really going to study God's word, but I need, I, you, you've given me this goal, right? To set my eyes on something in front of me. What, what can I do to please the Lord today? It's obedience to him and it's leading others to him through the gospel. Those are two great places to start. Obedience to him, and that comes from reading his word and knowing what he calls you to, and then sharing the gospel with others, helping them to be led to saving faith. But the thing is, one of the things I love about Paul, he says, okay, but this won't be super easy. I'm not going to give you this false sense of like, oh yeah, it's just going to be a stroll through the park. Why? Because there'll be opposition. Turn back to verse 15. Philippians 3 15 through 17 says this, Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything 
you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so he uses this this language, right, of hold on, hold fast, remain faithful, keep looking, keep doing these things. Why would Paul write in this way if it was just like, oh, it's just a simple stroll, right? Your walk with Christ is just to be easy and simple and it's not, you know, it won't be too, too difficult for you. If your relationship with Jesus is a stroll in the park, then there's no sense of having to hold on some days. Right? If, 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 your, stroll, or if your walk with Jesus is just some stroll in the park and there's no sense of ever having to hold on, I have some really bad news for you. You aren't doing it right. Because I can tell you, there are days when it is difficult to remain faithful to Jesus. There are days when it's extremely difficult to remain focused on the prize and not just whatever I want. Right? Because there's opposition. There's opposition from circumstances. There's, diff- there's opposition from others who don't want to see you live devoted to the Lord. There's opposition from our spiritual enemies. The devil and his minion, right? That, that Spiritual warfare is a very real thing. Or there's, and I think this one is the most prominent, but we try and explain it away. There's opposition from our own flesh, right? Seeking to keep us in our sinful ways or lull us into apathy. But if we jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as Paul, he says, hey, Keep running after this, right? He says if, if they all run, if all the runners run this race seeking the prize, he says, here's the way in which you do that. There's this opposition. There's people running against you. He goes, there's people all around you. There's, there's people trying to stop you. Your body is shutting down. He says, there's this opposition, opposition that's going on. He says, look, verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He says, we have to train ourselves. The only way to fight opposition is keep growing. The only way to deal with our flesh trying to pull us away is to exercise our spiritual muscles. We must devote ourselves to disciplined spiritual practices so that we may continue to grow. Grow in our stamina, grow in our maturity, hold fast and hold tight when opposition comes our way. This all happens spiritually. And so, as we look at what Philippians has to say, as we look at what Paul uses to supplement that in 1 and 2 Corinthians, there's a very short and sweet truth. 
aim to grow. Aim to grow. As we look towards Christ and we run towards this prize and we run towards what pleases Him, what pleases Him is our growth. Is seeing us run. And so you know me, right? I can't let you go a week without having a question that I want you to mull over. So this week, I I got two different questions, and it's for people at two different spots. So I'm going to start with the first one. If you are growing, right? If you are involved in a growth community or you're, you're reading your Bible regularly, here's the question. How are you going to continue that growth? It's really easy for us to stay at one place. It's really easy for us to fall into apathy when we just get used to doing the same old, same old. As Paul writes, he uses this language of continuing to press, to press on. Not to just stay at a jog forever. And so this week, if you're growing, how are you going to continue that growth? The next question. If you aren't growing... If you aren't in your Bible, if you aren't involved in a growth community, maybe you're new to your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus for a while and you just, you just stop running. The question is, how are you going to start growing? What does that look like for you? And I want you to actually, like, actually give yourself an answer. Don't just be like, oh, you know, I'll figure it out. Next week, I'll show up on Sunday. No, no, no. Like, maybe write down a specific goal that you can look at at the end of this week and say, I did that. Maybe it's, hey, I'm going to read my Bible once a day. Or I'm going to read it twice this week. Hey, I'm going to go check out one growth community this week. Or maybe I'm going to find a way to serve. Or I'm going to find a way to do something to grow. Have a very practical answer so that next Sunday, when you see me, You can answer, did I take steps to grow this week? And you can either look and say, yeah, I did, or nope, I need to figure out something this week. But that is my encouragement to you. If you're growing, how are you going to continue to grow? If you aren't growing, how are you going to start? But short and sweet, aim to grow. That is what we're called to do. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, I am so incredibly thankful for your word. Lord, in the way that it challenged us. Lord, and I pray that my friends in this room would not hear, hear this message and hear what your word says and just look at it as, oh, I got to do something else. Wouldn't feel this as a burden. Lord, but as an opportunity to honor and please you with the way in which we live. Lord, I pray that you would help us to maybe rearrange our priorities. Lord, if our, if our prize is you, why does everything else determine how much time we spend with you? Lord, I pray that that question weighs heavy on our hearts as we set our calendars, As we get busy, 
Lord, that we would remember what our true prize is, what our true aim is, and that it should be to grow and to please you in the way in which we live. Lord, we love you. We seek you. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.